Welcome to The Gone Show, the show where my guests and I explore anything and anyone that is now gone or might as well be. On tonight's episode, the second half of our most recent feature, The Double Feature. And now, joining the world and beyond from The Gone Show studio in the American Midwest, the host of The Gone Show, Bannon Backus. Good evening. Thank you so much for joining us for another episode of The Gone Show. Joining me in the studio tonight are Jay Stewart, who is a brain in a jar, but also so much more. Well, thank you very, very much. And back from what we will call a hiatus, John Mad Jack Mitten, who passed away in the United Kingdom in 1834 and now manifests himself as an oversized mouth and mustache. And it's good to be back, don't you know? And last, but certainly not least, cosmonaut Stanislaw Kapustin. On behalf of Mother Russia and myself, it is good to be here. And how have you been, Stanislaw? You're still looking smashing in your outer space suit and helmet. The inspections were recently held at Baikonur Cosmodrome, so Stanislaw Kapustin just had his suit cleaned. It still smells like decontaminants. Is that what that is? My olfactory unit is registering notes of rose water. Very pleasant. Yeah, it is nice. A rose by any other name would smell as sweet. That's a quote from a play by William Shakespeare. Yeah, it is. Thanks, John. Anyway, moving right into our much-neglected topic of double features, for those who might not be familiar with the term, a double feature simply refers to an offering of two films for the price of one at a theater. Uh, They made for quite a deal, too. Uh, Growing up in the 1940s, I would often take the money I earned from my lemonade stand and use it to go see double features. How much did you charge in U.S. dollars? Three cents. I know, a little high, but I had very little competition. Tell me, when you walked to the cinema, was it uphill both ways? Uh, To be honest, I don't recall. So, as you mentioned, Jay, a double feature was a relatively good deal for a moviegoer, which, according to my research, was the impetus behind its creation. Shortly after the Great Depression began, business at movie theaters suffered, and the double feature was created as a way to offer a bargain for the budget-minded patron. Looking back, there were many sensational films and actors in the 1940s. Orson Welles, Humphrey Bogart, Cary Grant, Catherine Hepburn. Yeah, I agree. There was so much talent at that time. By chance, are you a fan of Jimmy Stewart? You know, I've heard good things about him, but I've never actually seen any of his films. You should definitely check him out. He's probably my favorite actor. Stanislaw Kabustin might be familiar with this Jimmy Stewart. Wasn't he in the movie Mr. Smith Goes to Moscow? 
No, the name of it is Mr. Smith Goes to Washington. In that case, Stanis Lokopustin has no idea who he is. Well, like I said, check him out. Anyway, the typical result of a double feature was that, of the two films shown, one would be more marketable than the other. In other words, one was generally considered to be of a higher quality than the other. In my opinion, it all comes down to presentation. That's why at Mad Jack's Charm School for the Modern Gent, I have a strict policy of never turning anyone away, even if they suffer from severe ugliness. And that's your one warning, John. I told you before the show that I will absolutely not allow you to peddle your wares on my show. I just wanted to point out that everyone has options. Even someone with a face that looks like the floor of a meat processing plant. For example, maybe Stanislaw here has a rotten cabbage on his shoulders, and he's cleverly hidden it with a rather smart-looking space helmet. We may never know. We're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. Hey, can I have one of those? Sure, help yourself. Whoa! Both the bag and its contents are cold. What kind of chips are those? These are ice chips, an entirely new kind of snack food and chip. Let me try one. Wow! They taste great! And unlike normal chips, they don't leave my mouth feeling dry. Yeah, each ice chip is a thin, frozen slice of water, which leaves you feeling refreshed and hydrated. But each piece is also lightly seasoned for that great traditional chip taste. And you just store them in your freezer or your cooler. They're great for tailgating. Hey, give me another one of those. Hey, get your own bag. Oh, you're as cold as ice. Ice chips, the cool alternative to your average chip. Regardless of your background and beliefs, finding the right school for your children can be difficult. And that's especially true if, like me, you've taken a blood oath of allegiance to Satan. But all of that is about to change with Pentagram Primary School. The newest and last temptation in education, Pentagram Primary School is the nation's first elementary school that gives your offspring a proper focus on the Prince of Darkness. And there's a good chance that one of our campuses will be opening soon in your area, if one hasn't taken root there already. We know that there's nothing more important to you than ensuring that, in your child, Lucifer has a little servant. So we've developed a well-rounded curriculum that includes everything from introductory mathematics, with a focus on the number of the beast, to arts and crafts, which even offers younger disciples the opportunity to finger paint with chicken blood. Yes, when you enroll your children at Pentagram Primary School, their future will never look darker. Visit our website, Pentagram Primary School, for information regarding enrollment and campus locations. If you need to find a damned good school for your children, let Pentagram Primary School inverted cross that off your to-do list. Welcome back to Bogon Show. Welcome back to the Gone Show where tonight I've been discussing the double feature with my guests, Jay Stewart, John Mitten, and Stanislaw Kapustin. 
Now, before the break, we were talking about the way in which one of the two films that make up a double feature would often be seen in some way as a lesser film than its counterpart. These works that supposedly couldn't live up to their other halves came to be known as B-movies or B-films. Now, if I remember correctly, these were the films that were the second half of a double feature. Correct. And B-movies were often genre films, and not only were their budgets usually smaller, but they usually had shorter run times, too. Well, they don't sound very good, do they? Why would someone stay to watch one of those films? Well, I suppose it's a matter of perspective, but in my opinion, B-movies often have a charm and style that you just can't get from mainstream films. In my opinion, they also tend to take more risks than the average film. At first, I was identifying myself with the other type of film. Now, I see myself as more of a B-movie. Charm, style, risk, that's definitely me. Like I said, it's all a matter of perspective. As a matter of fact, here's a very, very small sample of actual B-movie titles. The Devil Thumbs a Ride, The Incredible Shrinking Man, Cat Women of the Moon, Sounds like those would make for a fun way to spend some lemonade money. Stanislaw Kapustin wishes that it had been cats. What do you mean by that, Stanislaw? The only reason that Stanislaw Kapustin is able to discuss this is because of recently conducted intelligence, which indicates most listeners do not believe what Stanislaw Kapustin has to say. Because of this, my superiors have informed me that I can be more open about certain topics. Maybe that's just what they want you to believe. Or maybe that's just what they want you to want to believe. John, go ahead, Stanislaw. It was the early 1980s, and Stanislaw Kapustin was still a new cosmonaut in the Soviet space program. Because of my low seniority, I was instructed to catalog a collection of rocks that had recently been brought to Earth by a classified and remotely controlled space probe. So, they had you playing with rocks. You definitely were the new man on the job. Even in Soviet Russia, you have to start somewhere. At first, the mineralogical analysis was uneventful, but after returning from lunch to the laboratory, Stanislaw Kapustin found... And what did you have for lunch? John, is that really important? Well, I don't know. That's why I asked. Is it important, Stanislaw? No. And now we knew. Please continue, Stanislaw. Stanislaw Kapustin returned from lunch to the laboratory and found one of the specimens broken in half. To my surprise, I saw that the specimen was hollow. Like a geode. Except instead of being lined with crystals or the like, the inside was surrounded by a green slime that smelled like the gas inside of a dead, bloated body. My slime doesn't smell anything like dead body gas. Fortunately for me, my slime has always smelled rather pleasant. Don't go there, John. Stanislaw Kapustin left the laboratory once again, and when I returned with additional personnel, the remaining specimens had also been broken in half. We followed a trail of green slime to a nearby air vent, and not long after... Personnel from around the Baikonur Cosmodrome began to radio 
saying that they were being attacked by giant, worm-like creatures. We soon realized what it was that our facility was experiencing. And what was that, Stanislaw? The attack of the Killer Moon Leeches. Killer Moon Leeches? Yes. It sounds as though what you thought were rocks were really some sort of eggs. That is what was thought at first, but another theory is that each specimen was a type of den being used for hibernation. So this is absolutely incredible. I mean, you're talking about extraterrestrial life. Did these things look just like Earth leeches? Aside from being four and a half feet tall when they raise themselves up before an attack, yes, they look very similar to the leeches that you are familiar with. Needless to say, they are also capable of making themselves very small. The very fascinating creature, despite its terrifyingly evil nature. And how did you triumph over these large lunar leeches? Step on them with giant loafers? Unfortunately, we did not have immediate access to traditional weapons at the facility. However, Stanislaw Kapustin remembered his time in school, where he learned basic biology and the chemistry of substances like sodium chloride. Salt. Exactly. In the laboratory, we had access to plenty of salt, which we used against the moon leeches. Fortunately, like their counterparts here on Earth, Moon leeches also have permeable skin that is extremely susceptible to osmotic pressure. I have absolutely no idea what it is that you're saying. Did you slip back into your native tongue? They were able to kill the moon leeches by putting salt on them. Okay, my word. Speaking of salty... That was very ingenious, Stanislaw. Unfortunately... Stanislaw Kapustin's ingenuity came too late for one of my fellow Cosbynauts. I was rounding a corner, armed with salt, when I saw a moon leech on top of a fallen comrade. Stanislaw Kapustin stood there, frozen. Then it removed its bloody mouth from the head of its victim and looked at me with piercing white eyes that looked like the stars from which it came. It stood up to its full height and began to lunge at me. But it was no match for the salt that I delivered with retribution. Wow, I'm so sorry that you had to experience something like that, Stanislaw. And Stanislaw Kapustin is not afraid to admit that after wiping away the tears that I cried for my fellow cosminaut, I let them fall onto that horrible creature. How very Russian. Well, we're very glad that you're here with us to tell the tale. Agreed. And I don't know if I agree with the results of the intelligence that you mentioned, but I, for one, am always interested in hearing more about your experiences as a cosmonaut. Yes, we're cosmonauts for them. Ew, give me a break. I've been gone for a while. So, to finish our discussion of double features, one of the things that led to it becoming much less common was a U.S. Supreme Court decision in... 1948 that made it illegal for film studios to require that theaters purchase B-movies 
in order to also purchase their more desirable counterparts. This was known as block booking, and it was a common practice by film studios. I'm sure it made for good business for the film studios, but it sounds like something of a strong-arm tactic. Right, and the double feature always had its detractors, with some people claiming that it created for an experience that just plain lasted too long, and from what I was able to piece together from my research, it seems as though the increased availability of air conditioning to cool homes may have led to less people wanting to spend so much time at movie theaters to beat the heat. Anyway, by the 1960s, most theaters that weren't drive-in theaters no longer offered double features. I don't get out much. Do they still offer double features? Only at a handful of theaters, and I think they're more of a curiosity nowadays than anything else. Well, there are plenty of other things to spend lemonade stand money on. True. And that brings us to the end of tonight's episode. Any final thoughts on the double feature before we go? New, but with this episode marking my triumphant return to the show, I have prepared a brief speech. Great. We look forward to having a copy of it emailed to us. Listeners and guests, thank you. And until next time, good evening and good gone. Actually, I wanted to read it out loud. Yeah, I know. The Gone Show was produced, created, performed, and written by Bannon Backus. The Gone Show is a presentation of BoomTube, B-O-O-M-T-O-O-B. All rights are reserved. Visit BoomTube online at BoomTube.com and Facebook.com slash BoomTube Network.